Welcome to the Cork Church Podcast. We are so glad that you're joining us today. We hope that this message inspires you, builds your faith, and encourages you in the things of the Lord. Enjoy the message. Next message last week it was a great message. If you haven't heard it, go back and listen to it. It's called Sacred Serendipity, and um, you know it's it's about having a revelation of of God being in control. And I think it's one of the best revelations, the greatest revelations that we can have in our lives to know that God is in control, that God is the author and the finisher, and everything in between. That God is is uh, working all things according to the counsel of His will. And Pastor Nick shared out of Isaiah 43, 19, that <clears throat> not to be discouraged when uh, God was doing something new, uh, but to find that, was, that he was going to cause in those new seasons, in that new time, uh, streams to come out of the desert. And, uh, you know, in this season right now, we're in a new season. We can't meet together, because, but we have to understand that God is at work. God is at work in this. This isn't uh, man's plan. This isn't the HSC. This isn't uh, who. This isn't world governments. This is God at work. And we need to recognize that. And in recognizing that and and seeing that, we can find uh, that stream. We can find that place of supply instead of our our emotions and everything being bound to what's around us and, and what we're going through. We can find that comfort that comes, that peace and comfort in knowing that God is in control. It's so easy to get sidetracked. It's so easy to be pushed out of that place. Uh, and lose sight that God has a plan in this season. Uh, It's easy to be wrapped up in what used to be and where we used to meet together and all of those things. And, you know, it's easy to to get wrapped up in what governments are doing, uh, either on the right or on the left, uh, who did this and who's doing what. Um, we We can get that way. Change is hard enough, but when you have these questions and these un- this uncertainty it can be even harder. So facing change uh, with peace and knowing God is in control, you can face change that way. But if you're facing change and have a lot of questions and everything is up in the air, it's very difficult. And it can, it can actually bind and it can hinder our faith. Uh, we've been blessed in our lifetime uh, with a great season of peace and stability. You know, growing up, we've we've had different things happen in the West uh, that have uh, you know have come up on our radar, and there have been different difficulties. But really, most of all, we've we've experienced peace and freedoms. Uh, we've been fortunate to know those and and the freedom and joy of meeting together. Uh, but there's many people around the the world right now that have never tasted what we've known. That are, that have have practiced their their faith in in small groups huddled together, sharing one page of scripture. They've never had the expression that we have the freedom to preach, the freedom to to minister, the freedom to come together. And we've had that privilege, and we've been so blessed to to have known that freedom. And for a short season, we're actually getting to taste in in what many 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 believers in the world uh, are experiencing every day of their life. 
so it, it causes us to kind of to understand a little bit more, not fully, but what they must feel like and what they how they must feel that they can't come together and as they would maybe hear about us being able to do. Um, but this isn't easy and it, it, it isn't what we want, but it is God allowing something new to take place. And these new avenues, that's what I was sharing about YouTube, getting the word out. This is the way that God has chosen and the, the God has opened up the internet uh, to churches and, and the internet is being flooded with the gospel like never before. So out of this difficulty and out of this season, more people are hearing the gospel than have ever before. And uh, it's an amazing thing to see the word of God going out. Um, and, and God doesn't want us to be captivated. God doesn't want us to be captivated by fear and worry, but to find him in newness, uh, no matter what takes place. Uh, <clears throat> and we need to begin to see this season uh, as a part of God's plan and design, as I said before. And God hasn't called us to fear governments. He hasn't called us to fear powers. He hasn't called us to live in suspicion and, and have our worldview to be shaped uh, by the mixture of right and left-wing politics and adding scripture thrown into it to uh, justify our position on where we are politically. There's one position that's right. There's one position. There's actually only two kingdoms in this world. There aren't a whole lot of kingdoms. There's two kingdoms. There's the kingdom of darkness and there's the kingdom of light. And uh, the, the, the uh, more we focus on God's word, the more we see that. Everybody else are just players on a, on a stage. They're sharing the stage, but there's only two kingdoms. And we want to be focused on that kingdom that's going to outlast every party, every leader, every person, every other, uh, every other government. We want to be focused on him during these times. And everything that we see happening now is working uh, toward that unfolding of God's kingdom and the biblical narrative. Everything we see is, is, uh, is happening according to plan and that overarching narrative, God's narrative. It's God's plan being unfolded. It's God's plan in the nations uh, for things that are happening right now. And this biblical narrative tells us that everything revolves around God's will, not the other way around. You know, we've, we've ascribed way too much power to Adam and Adam's will. We need to come back to the Bible and see that all things work together for his will. And God is at work, and God is moving, and we can't live tied down to any other narrative. Uh, because if we do, we, we are seriously undermining our faith. We are seriously injuring our faith. We are seriously putting ourselves in a position where our growth is going to be stunted, and it's going to keep us in a very carnal state of mind. God doesn't want us to be carnally minded during this time. He wants us to be spiritually minded. The Bible says to be spiritually minded is life and peace. But to be carnally minded is fear and worry and death. And, um, you know, to be carnally minded means your focus is all about you and the world around you. Uh, that's what it means. And it's not factoring in God's kingdom and his higher kingdom. Everything that happens... Remember this, the scripture is very clear. Everything that happens, happens for Christ's glory. The good, the bad, the ugly, to bring him to reputation and for the souls of men to be saved. And this is our confidence. 
that, uh, that can become unshakable, that God is working in and through all things for his purposes. So God's purposes will be performed. Listen to Ephesians 1, 9 and verse 10. God has now has revealed to us his mysterious will regarding Christ, which is to fulfill his own good plan. And this is the plan. Listen to this. At the right time, say that to yourself right now. At the right time, he will bring everything together under the authority of Christ, everything in heaven and on earth. This is the Bible. This is Paul speaking here, a word from the Holy Spirit to us, that there is a right time that God is going to bring everything, is working everything according to this, to bring everything under the authority of Christ, everything in heaven and earth, that there's going to be a consummation. There's going to be a finishing out of everything. Furthermore, because we are united with Christ, listen to this, we have received an inheritance from God, for he chose us in advance, and he makes everything, say everything with me, everything, work out according to his plan. Isn't that great? Everything work out according to his plan. Hallelujah. This is encouraging. This is right from the scripture. Paul is clear that God has a good plan, and that plan will happen at the right time. He will bring everything together under the authority of Christ, everything in heaven and everything in earth. And this tells me that everything is about that. Everything is about that. Everything revolves around that. God and his church, his people, his creation, and his glory. It's about that. It's about Christ. We need that Christ-centered theology, understanding that everything is about him. Paul talked about it in Romans, that by him and through him, to him, everything will go. Everything came from him, everything is upheld through him, and everything returns to him. This is the world that we live in, and this frames our worldview, how we view politics, how we view this thing and that thing. It frames our perception of the world around us. Things may look like they're falling apart, but Paul says they're actually coming together and they're actually falling into place. Isn't that wonderful? It may look like they're falling apart, but they're actually coming together and they're actually falling into place. They're coming into alignment with his will. Everything that's happening is coming into alignment with God's will and his ultimate plan. And that is true. You go back, the Bible from Genesis to Revelation is a narrative about how everything was working according to his will, according to his plan. From Genesis to the cross, everything according to his will. From the cross into the end, everything according to his will. God is at work to bring everything into and according to his will. Everything is falling into place. That's true on a global scale, and that's true of our personal lives. Isn't that wonderful? So it's not just the big picture, it's the small picture. It's you and it's me, and this is what our confidence rests in. All things are coming together in our lives according to his will, and that means there's a purpose in all things. Ecclesiastes talks about there's a purpose for everything. There's a time for everything. There's a season for everything. There's a design in everything. We get so caught up in the all things, 
You know, we, we live a lot of time in our headspace, and I, I'm guilty of it as, as well, as a father, as a provider, uh, you know, working in the ministry, different, just going through life. I can get so caught up in the all things, uh, you know, that, that God is conforming to his will that I forget that there is actually behind those things a hidden hand. There's, there's, some, there's someone in control that is weaving my life into, into his will and through his will and bringing those things out according to his plan for me. And it's so easy to forget. It's so easy to forget that man isn't in control of our lives, that God is. God is in control. And he is making everything work out for his plan. And this is the overarching theme of the word of God. God is working his plan, even when it looks so contrary to his will and to his way. And believers throughout history have been called upon to hold on to this truth when things change, when things shift, when new things start to happen. God is at work in all things, even in the dark things, even in the hard things. God is at work. The Puritans had a saying, and I really like it. it they said this, God uses crooked sticks to draw straight lines. Isn't that wonderful? You know, our path may seem crooked. It may seem to take us this way and that way. And we can wonder, how will I ever get to where you are where God wants you to be? You are in that place if you're a child of God. You are where God wants you to be. And God wants to bring you further on. And sometimes we don't know the path that we take, but he knows. And he's bringing everything into our lives, uh, our lives into conformity to his will. And, and those that have found that truth, and like Pastor Nick was sharing last week, those that have had that revelation found, find themselves being held up and strengthened. They find themselves at peace. They find their, their heart at a, at a greater heart rest. Um, and, and it's so hard to see all these things in the light of the main things sometimes. It's hard to see. It's hard to see. But the main thing, God's good plan, is what sheds light on the dark things. God's good plan, that we know he's working everything out for his will, sheds light on the dark things, sheds light on them and puts them into context in our lives. The hard things, the evil things, or the things that threaten us, or things that confound us, things we don't understand. God's good plan is the light in the darkness. It becomes the strength of the believer, the bread that we eat, the water that we drink. It becomes the, the context, the, the, the window frame that we, we look out at our world and, and frame our world in, with, in our thoughts about how we are, where we are, what we're doing, where we're going. Our worldview is shaped by this knowledge. God is working all things according to his will. And this, as I said, is the overarching narrative that God would bring everything together under Christ and establish his rule and reign globally and personally in his house, in his church, especially among his people. God would work it out and bring everything together for his glory.
Now, for the remainder of the message, I just want to look at a passage of Scripture that sheds light on this reality. I was reading it this week, uh, actually prepping for streams in the desert with the pastors because I felt like this is what God was saying. I felt like, you know, as we were meeting together, that, that the Lord would have us to revisit this and, and look at this reality that he is in control. And, and he is allowing these things, this upheaval, these things to bring us further along and, to, and actually to cause it to strengthen ourselves and strengthen his church, but also bring about his purposes and bring people to himself. And, and I, found, uh, I found this in Scripture. I was reading the Scripture, and, and it really spoke to me. It really began to minister to my heart, and I hope it does to you this morning. Or, uh, as we read in Revelation, we're going to turn to Revelation chapter 5, verses 1 down through 8. Now, we'll get into this in just a moment, but Revelation is about the unveiling of God's will, the unveiling of God's plan. Uh, from the time of the cross and forward. It's the unveiling of those things that are to come. So uh, when we read this, we understand that this is an unveiling. This is an opening up of the, of the rule of God, the plan of God, the power of God, the strength of God, uh, that nothing happens in this world without his knowledge. And, and, and nothing happens outside of his remit. So many times you read in the book of Revelation, and, and, it, and it says this, and he was given the ability to, to be empowered for a short season. This leader or that leader or this nation or that nation, they were given an ability. Where did that ability come from? It came from God. So we get this overarching reality, and it, and it brings a great deal of encouragement as we begin to read it. Let's read Revelation 5, 1 through 9. Sorry, one through eight. Then I saw a scroll in the right hand of the one who was sitting on the throne. There was writing on the inside and the outside of the scroll, and it was sealed with seven seals. And I saw a strong angel who shouted with a loud voice, who is worthy to break the seals on this scroll and open it? But no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll and read it. Then I began to weep bitterly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll and to read it. But one of the 24 elders said to me, stop weeping. Look, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the heir of David's throne has won the victory. He is worthy to open the scroll and its seven seals. Then I saw a lamb that looked as if it had been slaughtered, but it was now standing between the throne and the four living, the four living beings and among the 24 elders. He had seven horns and seven eyes, which represent the sevenfold spirit of God that is sent into every part of the earth. He stepped forward and took the scroll from the right hand of the one sitting on the throne. And when he took the scroll, the four living beings and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb. Each one had a harp and they held gold bowls filled with incense, which are the prayers of God's people. Now, Revelation was written by a man in difficulty for a people in difficulty. This was written at a time when John was between 80 and 90 years old, the Apostle John, and it was for all intents and purposes uh, the closest thing. Uh, John had been thrown into a prison island called Patmos, and it was the closest thing to a Roman Alcatraz as you could get. 
He is surrounded by prisoners, enemies of the Roman state, and he's sent there to serve out the rest of his life in a hard labor camp. Patmos was not, you know, a place where you go for a holiday, all-inclusive resort. It wasn't that at all. It was, it was you go there, you work, and then you die. It was a place where, uh, you know, it was, it, it was a place where Rome sent those people they felt were threats against their power. And so you talk about having all things. John is in the midst of a, a time where he was facing all things in his life. These seasons where difficulty, great difficulty were, was, was happening in his life. And here he is in this place where he is banished, where he is left to die, and Jesus meets him. Jesus meets him there. And, and the Bible says that he was told to write down this letter, this book, this, this letter of Revelation, and it's the only book of the Bible that is attached a blessing to those that read it. It's very interesting. So this letter was meant to be written to the churches right from Jesus' heart to us. And it was all about the all things that were to come. It's about those things that were to happen. He said, write them down, for these things are going to come to pass. So John starts recording this letter as Jesus takes him from such a low place of seeing, such a seeing his captivity, seeing his life, seeing the faults in the church and the difficulties in the church, seeing the world and its perplexities and its difficulties and its ambitions and its, you know, its injustices and all of its kingdoms and all of those things. And he, see, he takes him from seeing all of that to seeing this heavenly scene we have just read about. So he is, he is taken out of that and given a revelation. Talk about serendipitous. Talk about understanding his mind being open. God transports him, and he's taken to a throne room. And many Bible scholars, when you read this, believe that he is actually transported back in time to when Jesus, Jesus actually uh, takes the throne. That, that this was his coronation, that he has shown the day that Jesus came into heaven after triumphing in the cross and the resurrection, that he has ascended, and now he is approaching the throne about to receive his inheritance. So John is transported uh, by God into this vision of what it was like when Jesus stood up and took his rightful possession. What an amazing revelation. And there he sees this powerful scene. The father is seated, and in his hand is a scroll written on the front and the back. And on this scroll is seven seals. And the question goes out, who has authority to open the scroll? And heaven is silent. John is weeping because there's no arbiter. There's no one in that capacity that can open the scroll. There's no one there. The angels can't do it. The beasts can't do it. The elders can't do it. There's no one that could open that scroll and all that it represents. And then he is told that there is one, that Jesus is here. And Jesus appears, and he takes the scroll, and heaven erupts in worship. And he comes into his inheritance of his kingdom, and all eyes are on him. All eyes are on Christ. And this is such a powerful revelation. It's something that, that is so, uh, so powerful and it affects him in such a great way. And they're, they're burst into worship and, and there's just these lightnings and thunderings. It's an amazing scene. And, and many people, if you study this, this chapter, have commented and written about what this scroll represents. 
Uh, but there really is that when you look at it and, and study, there's not a mystery behind it. Uh, God was speaking directly to his church, to those living under the thumb of Roman rule and, and to us, but specifically to an audience, to a people who were going through difficulty, who were looking at their government's oppression, who were looking at persecution and facing great difficulty. And, and reading this, they would have understood immediately what this scene was about. What, he, what they witnessed, what John witnessed was something that happened in everyday Roman life. It was something that was part of Roman custom. And, and you see, under Roman rule and, and custom, wills and testaments were written down, uh, you know, and, and sealed up with seven seals. And they were, uh, they were given uh, for the, an appointed time to be opened by an arbiter in the presence of witnesses and given to the heirs. And so this was a Roman custom. It was, and God is speaking through this. Uh, and he's speaking to these people who would have understood that, wait a minute, this is, the, this, is a, this is a father giving his son his inheritance. This is a father uh, who has put everything uh, in this scroll. Every, every, he has invested everything, all that the father has, all that the father has to give is represented in this scroll. And it has those same seals, those same seven seals down the outside. And, and uh, you know, they're, they're, they're there and they're given over and they're read out. You know, the, the, the custom was that there would be an arbiter that would come in uh, who was of official capacity, and you had to have the arbiter present. You had to have someone that was worthy to open the scroll to read it out to the heirs. And so if the arbiter wasn't present, if there was no official Roman there uh, to, to do it, you couldn't read the scroll out. And so the arbiter had to come. The witnesses had to gather that had, had signed their name and sealed their name. And as the will was written out, the witnesses had partaken in it, and they would watch it be written. And then they would seal their names with wax, seven of them. It had to be in the presence of seven witnesses. And so we get that number of completion. We get that number of fulfillment uh, in this. And so it's sealed up. And they've written their names out to the side. And when it comes time for uh, that will to be exercised or executed, the arbiter is called and the official comes. And without him, you can't open it. And so that's the kind of scene we have here. There's no arbiter. There's no one to open the inheritance. There's no one of officious capacity who, who meets all the requirements. And so Jesus steps in and he's the arbiter. He's the arbiter of the will, but he's also the heir of the will. He's also the heir. And the father hands him as the arbiter, the one that has met all the requirements, the one who is the, who is the official, hallelujah, and the executor of the will. He's, I'm giving it over to you. I'm giving you the capacity now to take my will, to take everything that, that is mine. I'm giving it over to you. And it's for you to break the seals, son. It's for you uh, to, to execute my will on the earth. And so that's what we see. Uh, that's what we see taking place. So this is, an, this is a son coming into his inheritance. This is a son taking the father's will. All this in there, it's written on the inside and the outside. This is the kingdom of God. This is uh, all that's in heaven, all that's in earth, everything in God's kingdom, all that the Father has, all people, all nations, all principalities, all powers, all kingdoms, everything is in the scroll. Hallelujah. 
and the sun comes up, the sun steps up as the arbiter, the only one that meets the requirements, the only one worthy, the only one that can, the only one that lived a perfect life to, 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 in obedience to the Father. And here in heaven, you know, John witnesses this. Jesus taking the scroll and it echoes what Jesus said in Matthew 28, 18. All authority in heaven and earth is given unto me. Hallelujah. And listen to Hebrews 1, 2. God promised everything to the Son as an inheritance. God promised everything to Christ. God gave him everything. And when he ascended on high, he received a kingdom, the Bible says. And every believer in the Roman Empire would have read this account and rejoiced and said, my goodness, it's not Nero that's in power or, or whoever it was, Diocletian at that time. It's, it's not the Roman emperor. He, he's not the one that inherits the role. He's not the one that's in power. He's not, it's not their armies. It's not their governments. It's not, you know, people like Pontius Pilate and people that had, had lived it, uh, you know, earlier in that stage and governors and principalities. No, it's him. It's not governments that, that dictate our end and our beginning. It's God. Imagine the, the encouragement of those believers as they're living under, you don't talk about oppression. You don't talk about government overreach. You don't talk about evil. Folks, the Roman Empire is, is, is a lesson in, in greed and, and power-hungry men who declared themselves to be God. You don't talk about Antichrist. And here are these believers getting this revelation. Wow, God has committed everything over to the Son. God has given him everything. He is heaven's arbiter. He is the heir of the kingdoms of this world. He is in control. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Nothing is outside of his hand. Hallelujah. Isn't that wonderful? You know, it's so easy sometimes to think that, that those things in our lives, those things that, that seem so out of control, those things that seem so on top of us and that seem to dominate us. Folks, I want to tell you, it is within the grasp of the Son of God. There's nothing out of his remit. And some of you need to hear that right now because you feel like, God, everything's out of control. There's no oversight. There's no plan. Uh, you know, I, I'm facing difficulty and confusion. I want to tell you something. Your life, my life, is bound up in that scroll. We are part of Christ's inheritance. God said, I'll give you the heathen for your inheritance. We are there. We are represented in that. And, and the rest of this book talks about how God brings about the contents of that scroll to pass after what he has determined, after what he has decreed. And in that scroll is your life. In that scroll is my life. In that scroll is our family's lives. We are part of Christ's inheritance. Hallelujah. Isn't that wonderful? You are part of Christ's inheritance. And I just wonder, you know, sometimes I wonder if this wasn't the book, the scroll that our names are written on. If this isn't the scroll of life. If, if our names, it was written on the front and the back. I would just wonder, hallelujah, if your name wasn't on that scroll and my name wasn't on that scroll, I'm giving them over to you, son. They're, they're under your power. They're under your influence. Nothing shall come their way that you don't allow and that you don't give them power to see it through. They're yours. 
Some of us are so worried, thinking about our futures, thinking about how things have changed, thinking about these all things that, that Paul talked about being worked into God's plan. But there's something I want to share with you. I believe that God will, will help you <clears throat> as we close this out. In Acts chapter 1 and 6, everything in the disciples' world was about to be turned upside down. They had questions. They had a lot of questions. Talking about new, man, they had new things happening in their life. Jesus had been crucified. They went from the pit, my goodness, to, to, from a place of discouragement to a place of victory, to a place of, of walking with Christ and him resurrected to him leaving them and, and promising this new relationship of the Holy Spirit. And there was a lot of new things happening. And uh, there was a lot of upheaval, a lot of questions they have. And, you know, we, we do have questions when things change. We do. I, I have a lot of questions. Sometimes. God, what's going to happen here? What's going to happen there? And, and in Acts chapter 1 and 6, the disciples, everything was turned upside down. This was all new. They were going through a, 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 a difficulty of trying to understand the future. So Acts 1, 6 says this. So when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? In other words, God, uh, you know, give us insight into our future. Give us insight into the times and the seasons. Lord, let us know in advance what you're up to. Let us know what you're going to do. Are you going to end this satanic rule and bring in righteousness now? God, what are we to do? But look at what Jesus does. Jesus redirects their focus on these things that they're seeing. He redirects their focus off of like those Romans were, like those Roman Christians that were so captivated by what Rome was doing and what was happening in their lives. He gave them insight into the throne and Jesus redirects his disciples' focus on these things. Acts 1-7, listen to this. And I think I feel like this is what the Holy Spirit would, would, would say to you and I would say to you, I, you and I, as we're asking questions, Lord, when is this going to end? When is that, what's going to happen in the government? What's going to happen in this thing and that thing? Listen to what Jesus said. He replied, the Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times, and they are not for you to know. You know, there's some things for us that, that God doesn't want us to know. There, there, there are things that, specifics that we don't need to know. But we need to realize that they're within God's rebound and they're within his power, that he's in control. But listen what he says. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout, throughout Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Jesus tell them there are things you want to know. There are things that are happening that you want to understand, that you want answers to. But while you are waiting for all things to be brought to fruition, while you're waiting, and maybe you don't have all the answers, and I'm not going to divulge answers to you right now. Stop getting caught up in why is this happening and who is doing what. You know, we need to get away from that. We've been encouraged by the Spirit to do that. But one more time, I think the Holy Spirit is saying that to us. Stop giving in to the, the wrong voices. But Jesus says, it's not for you to know certain things, but I can tell you what you can do. You can go and wait on me, and you're going to receive power. 
Hallelujah. You may not know the what, when, why, and where, but you're going to know the how. You're going to know the how to, to, to be sustained. You're going to know the how to make it through. In all of these changes, I'm going to fill you with, with my spirit. I'm going to give you the ability to walk in places that are new to you, that are different for you. I'm going to empower my church. And in, these t in the tumultuous times ahead, you're going to be witnesses to me. Wherever you go, you're going to be a witness that I'm in control, that the kingdom is mine, that I've received a scroll, and I'm working things out in this world for my purposes. And this is what the Holy Spirit wants to say to us. It's not for us to know the times and the seasons, but it's for us to receive power in this last day to be witnesses unto Christ. It is for us to know that God has a plan for us and he wants to empower us to be a witness, to be a gospel witness, not to be worried like everyone else, you know, rubbing our hands and being afraid. It is up to, it is, it is our lot to receive an inheritance in the Holy Spirit where we're not questioning and getting caught up in these side issues, but we are looking for a kingdom to come. It's not for you to know the times and the seasons. It's for us to put our eyes on him. He has everything under control. And as those things start to happen, as his will is unfurled, we're going to know, God, you're a shield for me. You know, a shield blocks things, and if anything gets to it, means that it's, it's moved out of way. There's these allowances and God may allow things to come through. God may allow changes. But we know he's working everything according to his will. He wants to fill us with his Holy Spirit so we can be a witness in this world and say, no, God's in control. Jesus took the scroll. My life is in his hands. My family's life is in his hands. My future's in his hands. I'm trusting in him. Hallelujah. If the ministry team, the, wor the worship team can come up, we're going to close. Hallelujah. God is good. God is good. Your life is bound up in his inheritance. It's not for us to know all the whys, all the wins, but it is for us to know the power of God's spirit. It's for us to know that he is with us. And he's going to give us the courage and the strength to face what lies ahead. And there may be new things, more new things that we have to face. But this eternal truth will anchor us that Jesus is in control and he's working everything according to his will. And he wants to fill me with his Holy Spirit so I can be a witness in my generation. I want to pray for you right now that God would touch you, that God would bless you. He would fill you and bless your heart today with this knowledge that he's in control. Hallelujah. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you that you are in control, that our lives are bound up in your will. No matter what we face, no matter what we go through, Lord, you're working all things according to the pattern of your will in our lives on 
a personal scale and on a global scale. We're going to trust you. Fill me with the Holy Spirit. Help me not to be worried about the times and the seasons that I live in, but to wait on you and to be filled again with the Holy Spirit so God can be a witness to those around me of your power, of your resurrection, of your rule and your reign. Lord, I thank you today that the Holy Spirit is touching people's lives, bringing our faith back to center. Lord, help us to do away with foolish questions and help us to look to the answer. Help us to look to your power and your grace. In Jesus' name. Thank you for tuning in with us today. Make sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Cork Church. Also, make sure to like and subscribe to our YouTube channel. If you have any questions, you can email us info at corkchurch.com or just check out our website. It's www.corkchurch.com. Again, thank you for tuning in and we will see you next time.